0: It has been said when opportunity knocks open the door one day opportunity came knocking on the door of a young lady a jewess named Esther she and every virgin of, of the entire persian empire became contestants in this massive beauty contest in which over the course of 2 years she was selected to become Esther, queen of Persia. Esther had had risen to this position on little more than her good looks. She kept hidden uh, a lot in regard to hoping for success. One of those things that, that she kept hidden was the fact that she was a Jew. No one asked, so she didn't tell. But she held the position of queen in a very pagan Persian empire. She had been raised by her cousin Mordecai, of course, who was also a Jew, but who also tried to keep his race and his nationality a secret so that he could keep his set path toward success. But eventually he's found out. When one of the the king's most important nobles, Haman, uh, demands that he bow to him and he refused because he was a Jew. Haman finds out, then, that Mordecai is a Jew, and he devises a plot not only to kill Mordecai, but to kill all of the Jews. And when this plan is presented to King Xerxes, uh, Xerxes doesn't ask any questions, but agrees to Haman's request, unknowingly signing a death sentence to his own queen Esther, who is a Jew, the edict goes out to all of the provinces of Persia. Esther actually finds out from Mordecai what the edict says. And Mordecai, her, her cousin who has raised her, comes to her. And says, Esther, you can't be silent anymore about who you are. In fact, it could be he rationalizes that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. To save the people of Israel. He says you need to go to the king's courts and and ask that he change his mind about this law. Mordecai understands what he's asking Esther to do. He understands that that in that law, in in that day, the law said that, that if you came into the king's presence without being invited, then the penalty was death. Unless the king held out his golden scepter. He knew what he was asking of Esther. Then Esther sent this reply back to Mordecai. She said, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I in my attendance will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And listen to this. And if I perish, I perish. And this is incredible. Esther says, I, I'm going to go to the throne of the king. But before I do, you all go into the throne room of God and ask for mercy and direction for me. There is one who stands above all others. And she knows that if she's going to have success in this situation the only way that she's going to find it is first by finding success in the throne room of the king of kings God himself she says it's it's against the law to enter Xerxes presence without permission but you pray I'll go and if I perish I perish apparently something has happened within Esther right this is not the Esther that we have seen up to this point She understands now, apparently, that her purpose is much deeper than her pretty face. She's becoming the leader that God has in mind for her. Sometimes the the hardest times in life are the best growing times in life. Maybe somebody here needs to hear that today. Your difficult times can turn into growth times. God wants to use these times to develop you into the person that he wants you to be. Apparently, Esther is learning something about leadership, something about success that is absolutely essential. She is learning to pray. She's learning to pray. You want success in life? Learn to pray. When Jesus speaks about prayer, he says it's something like knocking on heaven's door. He says it this way He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then that, that instruction comes with a promise. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you want to find success in life, it's all in who you know, right? That's what we've heard. So pray. Know God. God can can fit things together. He can lead you. Who knows his, he, he knows his purposes for you. Wants you to live into the purposes he has for you. God can open the door. That no one else can open, and that no one else can shut. So, how earnest are you? Don't just ask, but you know, put some skin in the game. Seek, and you will find. But but just don't, don't stop there. Esther understands, oh, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna recruit others to pray and fast with me. Be committed to seeing. God, answer. Knock on heaven's door. And you know what you can expect? God will open the door. That's what the passage says, right? You can expect that God will open the door. Now now understand. That doesn't mean He'll open the door you want opened, or in the time frame you want. But if you are passionately pursuing him, he will lead you and will open the door. After three days of, of fasting and praying and working on, on how she's going to present herself and her request to the king, she goes before the king. And he receives her. I mean, and this is a miracle, right? Heaven not we said she could lose her life here? She's in the hallway of the king and and, and, and he sees her and, and asks for her to come in and, and she comes in. He he gives the the you know presents the golden scepter, she comes up and touches it. She has an audience with the king. I, I, I just, I, I like to see it this way. You know, she's been praying, it's just, you know, this Esther to home base. We're in, you know. Entry is a success. I repeat, we are in. I mean, right? This is the kind of thing we've prayed for. She's in. And what happens next has got to be more than just coincidence, more than chance. Esther thinks she could be killed and instead, before she can even speak, it says the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. What? I mean, really? And she thought she was going to be killed. And she could have up to half the kingdom? Home base to Esther Give him the pitch now and get out of there, right? Esther hasn't eaten for three days, right? But she can taste success in these moments, right? So she says what she's entered the king's presence to say. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Did she really just do that? She has an audience with the king. The door is wide open, up to half my kingdom. And you are inviting him to dinner? Did she get butterflies? What's going on? How could she have missed this opportunity when opportunity knocks? Open the door. So there's this banquet. And at the banquet, of course, the king is present. Haman is present. And listen to this the king makes the offer again. Now, what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. You know, they say that opportunity rarely knocks twice. She thought she'd be killed. But here she's dining with the king. The offer is still on the table. The king is present. Haman is present. This has got to be God. He has set this up. Here comes the pitch. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this, if the king regards me with favor and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request. Here she goes. Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. What is going on here? I you know I read this. Okay, imagine this is your first reading, right? You're you're reading this. You're thinking, "Esther, you are going to screw this the whole thing up right now, right here in this way. This is going down in flames." You can't do it this way. Success is not, this is not how it works. You could have had this all tied up in the throne room yesterday, remember? What are you thinking? You've now missed another opportunity. You are testing fate. You are making this operation way more risky than it needs to be. You're only offering this villain, Haman, more time to do what who knows he might do next. Strike while the iron is hot, Esther. Carpe diem, Esther. There's no time like the present, Esther. Esther, when opportunity knocks, open the door. Why does she not get this? Could it be that she's just scared to death Or could it be that she has knowledge that we don't have? Could it be that she understands something that we don't understand? Have you ever been guilty of saying, this must be the will of the Lord because it seems so right to me? I have. The door's open right in front of me. I'm going to walk through it. Then I'll ask questions. Just because there's a door open doesn't always mean it's the door God wants you to walk through. Hear that. Here's the lesson in that. Wait for the right door. God will open the door. Wait for the right door. Since the Garden of Eden, humanity has had to choose between options, right? Sometimes both options look really good. Sometimes we're tempted to dress up the option that we want that feels right in the moment, but ignore God's direction and His timing. True success isn't found in walking through whatever door is opened in front of you. Nor is it kicking down whatever door you want opened so that your plans for success can succeed. God's purposes for you, and just by the way, that's a pretty good definition for success. God's purposes for you. God's purposes for you is discovered, success is discovered, when you wait for the right door. Up to this point, Esther's success was based on walking through every door that seemed to her like a good opportunity to advance. And it seems to have have worked well for her, except that she had completely left God out of all of her planning. There will be doors that will seem inviting to you, even shortcuts to something good. Shortcuts to something good. Trust God that He knows best. Follow his lead. His plan is better than your plan every time, okay? Esther has this open door, but it's not the right time, so she decides to wait. Meanwhile, Haman is ecstatic right? He's been to this banquet with the king and with Esther, and and it says that Haman went out that day happy and in spirits. From all appearances, Haman is gaining in his power, gaining in his success. But, it says, when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. I think we're gonna dive more into this part of the story next week. But the short of it is Mordecai goes home, he builds this this gigantic pole, 75 foot pole, that he plans to impale Mordecai on. He's not thinking like Esther. It's interesting to me that, that it, and you remember the lesson perhaps, if, if not, go back to Facebook, YouTube channel, find the, the lessons that we've already gone through. But remember, he, he's not leaving anything to chance. He, he's not leaving anything even to the gods, really. Remember the gods told him, okay, you, you do it in this particular month. He's not even following that now. i to kill Mordecai tomorrow. I'm going to go to the king tomorrow morning and I'm going to ask him to let me impale Mordecai on this gigantic stake that I have built in my front yard. He's not willing to wait. He's not willing to wait for the right door. He's not like Esther. Meanwhile, Esther's waiting. And I sure hope that God isn't late. Because Haman has a plan. In the morning, he's going to ask for Mordecai's life. Can you trust God's timing? I mean, that's a big question for us. Have you ever been tempted to jump into seemingly good opportunities? But God says, wait, and it makes no sense. That very night, of course, outside Haman's house, there's this gigantic stake. But inside the king's home, inside the king's palace, it just so happened that the king couldn't sleep that night. I hope you're reading this story between Sundays, right? That's, that's been your homework. But I hope you remember this, that, that it just so happened that the king couldn't sleep that night. It just so happened that, that he calls his attendants to, to give him some bedtime reading. And it just so happened that the books that they decide to read to him, or he requests, are the books that chronicle his reign. And it just so happens... By the way, that sounds like great reading to put a guy to sleep, don't you think? I mean, I think he he had the right. But it just so happened he didn't fall asleep. It just so happened that by early morning, he still hadn't fallen asleep. And by the time they were getting to the end of the chronicles of King Xerxes' reign, they come across this story, it just so happened, that the king had been saved from an assassination plot. And it just so happened that it was the very Mordecai that Haman was going to impale on a pole who was the one who had saved the king from that assassination. So the, so the king says to his attendants, I, I kind of forgot about that. Have we done anything to honor Mordecai for what he did? No, nothing, king. We've, we've not done anything. He says, oh, I'm really embarrassed about that, so we've got to make it really big. And it just so happened that at that very moment, he hears somebody walking in the hallway. He asks his attendants, who's in the hallway? It just so happened, it's Haman coming to ask for the life of Mordecai. Mordecai, or Haman, come on in here. I want to talk to you. The king says to, says to, to Haman, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Well, Haman thinks, who else could be more honored than me? I mean, I was invited twice to a banquet with the king and the queen. So he comes up with this idea. He says, you dress this guy, me, in the royal robes of the king and you put them on the royal stallion of the king, and, and you ride him through the streets of the empire, of, of the citadel here, and, and then you have one of, your, one of your greatest nobles call out to everyone. "Hear ye, hear ye. This is how the king honors the person he wants to honor. Xerxes says, that's a great plan, Haman. Go find Mordecai. I want you to be the nobleman to walk him through the streets. Isn't this a cool story? I mean, isn't God's timing just really pretty cool? Haman does this. And he comes home in grief and shame. Can I say he comes home mortified of the honor that Mordecai has received. And he tells his his wife and his friends, this is what has happened. And they say, you're ruined. And before he can even respond, his escort arrives to take him. It just so happened. (laughs) The escort arrived at that moment to take him to the banquet with Queen Esther and the king. God's timing. Can we trust God's timing? They arrive to the banquet and the king asks again, What's your petition up to half my kingdom? Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. Esther finally exposed Haman's plot. Xerxes is hot with anger, commanded the death of, of Haman. And someone says, Dear king, it just so happens that there's a stake outside Haman's house that he planned to impale Mordecai on. And so it happened that less than 24 hours after Haman had built that stake, he died on the stake that he had built for his enemy. Esther prayed, and God opened the door. Esther prayed and then waited for the right door. But how did she know? The right door. How did she know to wait? The answer, once again, is through prayer. There are two paths to success you can A, try to make yourself successful, or B, you can follow God's lead into the success. That he has planned for you. There's a letter written to one of the early churches in Revelation 3 that puts these two paths side by side. It's Jesus' words. He's writing his words in this letter to the church in Laodicea. This is how he describes the people in Laodicea in verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth, I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Haman was convinced he knew what success was. It's all about I'm rich, wealth, I don't need a thing. I've got power, I've got status, I have success. But Jesus says, I don't define success that way. Because you you are really, in reality, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. You don't have anything without me. Let me offer you something, Jesus says. Let me offer you the, the secrets to success. Let me offer you me, he says. He says in verse 20, here I am. Here I am. I know what you need. I know the path of success for you. I Here I am. I stand at the door and knock, he says. I stand at the door and knock. What he is describing is our heart's door, our life's door. God can open any door for you, right? God can open any door but one. He will not open one door. Your door. You have to open your door. You have to open your door. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He says, We'll have a relationship. We'll talk. Well, let's hang out together, Jesus says, and I'll teach you how to be successful. Listen, as you open your door to him, he will open the doors you need to walk through. I believe that. I've seen it happen in my own life. As I open the door to Jesus, he opens the door that I need to walk through. That's a pretty great deal right there. How did Esther know to wait for the right door? She had found fellowship with God. She might have been fasting, but there was food that she had that they knew not of, right? She was feasting with her Lord. She was having communion with him. Do you want to be successful? Here's the answer. Hang out with Jesus be in his word. Let him instruct you, and then be obedient. Listen to how he describes success in the very next verse. And let me just say again, this happened a few weeks ago. It happened again today. Jennifer was creating the, the, the service order, had a scripture in mind. She started reading the scripture to me last night, and I said, that's how I'm ending my sermon. This is the last verse we see there, 321. It says this. Let's see the next slide. Is there a next slide? Oh, no. Here it is. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. He's talking about success. I mean, this is true success, right? To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. He invites us to his throne room as partners to do amazing things together. You ought to be really more excited about that than you are. That's what his invitation is to us. This is incredible, this is success. Do you know what you can pull off if God is partnering with you? You are partnering with God? That's success. And the way that you know that is by allowing him into your heart, talking with him, so that when he opens the doors, the right doors, you know to walk through. When the doors are open and they're the wrong doors, you know not to walk through. It begins by opening your door. Only you can do that to have fellowship with him. So what is the secret to success? It's opening your life to let Jesus be Lord. He will open up opportunities you couldn't dream of if you open your life to him. He's offering you, hear this, the opportunity of a lifetime he offers you himself. So what do you do? When opportunity knocks, open the door. Thank you.